He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. Well, TGIF, thank God it's Friday and we got to... Well, hopefully it's going to be a beautiful weekend, and uh, it's a nice summer weekend. And and we have a full house today, three deuces and two speed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the way this song used to go? Uh, we have two common-sense Democrats, and, and we have a common-sense Republican. Are you a, sure it's Friday? <laughs> A very rare occasion. Not pre-recorded. I'm uh, actually live. Uh, but he is headed to the beach. Yes, I am. Because <laughs> that's why we say there's never any Republicans. They're already on vacation. A very rare occasion on Friday. <laughs> we have Judge Weinberg. <laughs> oh, bless, bless you. you. God bless Tony Carbonetti and Governor David Patterson and my sidekick, <laughs> Lydia Serrani. And, you know, why don't we start off? We, we have a great show. We got... Uh, the last night, uh, somebody's going to be calling in and talking about the Cousin Brucey show at the PNC Arena. Somebody's going to be calling in and talk about the, the gala that the New York Police Foundation had. Uh, we have a, new, a tidbit from Newt Gingrich, a tidbit from uh, uh, Janine Pirro for Sunday show. And we have the Archbishop of the Ukrainian Archbishop of America uh, to talk about uh, they're going to have a special. Uh, Ceremony with Cardinal Dolan, mm-hmm. uh, St. Patrick's tomorrow, and of but course uh, Larry Kudlow Larry as well. Larry Kudlow is back. Uh, he had a loss in the family. His mm-hmm. his um, in law, his uh, wife's father, died at the age of hundred. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't forget, it's even if it's a hundred, no matter when it is, it's it's always it sad hurts. to lose a dad, mm-hmm. a father. John McLaughlin is going to fill us in, and Dr. Mark Siegel. And uh, one great show. But 10 minutes ago, breaking news, uh, the uh, city council looks like they inked away a $101 billion budget. And uh, the expert here is uh, Tony Carbonetti. Uh, well, you guys are all experts. Uh, Judge Weinberg That's ran, a lot of money, John. Judge Weinberg ran City Hall for Peter Vallone. Uh, Tony Carbonetti, you ran City Hall for Governor, uh, for uh, Mayor uh, uh, Giuliani. Governor, you're in charge of the whole freaking thing. That's a whole lot of money. John, well, I, what think, say you guys? I think our last budget was 39.8, and, and that's when, 20 years ago. And when I ran for mayor in 2013, I think the budget was like 45, 46, 47. 101. What the heck is going on? Some, I mean, it, look, it's tax money because the city was doing very well. But now, if you look at the people that are leaving the city, the Carl Icons of the world that are leaving the city, they take their tax money, they take the the philanthropy money. Get back to me in three years, and let's see if that hundred and one is tax benefit is still around. I'm uh, worried. Judge Weinberg, what say you? I think Tony's absolutely right. You have to say you had all this found money from the federal government. It's going to be over. What are they going to do then? People are voting with their feet. They're leaving. If you lose the most productive people, who can supply the revenue dollars to take care of all the wonderful social programs we have? Well, watch the hearings last night. I only watched some of the highlights. I did. I, I couldn't watch it. I there was no reason for me to watch it. I mean, they they have, they, they do not tell the truth. I don't know who, who watched it. You I, watched it, Tony. I, I I'm a junkie. I watched the whole thing, John. So tell me about it. So. 
it's, it's not going to last long because it's too partisan. There, there's no rebuttal. There's obviously no Republicans on it that are allowed to ask pushing questions does, about. Does anybody have a rating? Uh, who anybody watch? I, I didn't see the anything. ratings were crap. Yeah, I, the ratings were garbage. Uh, Tucker Carlson, he's Fox News, is the only station that didn't take it. He didn't have any commercial breaks. Now, let me ask you, Tony, because I, I tried watching some of the highlights. Did they talk about uh, the security failures about Nancy I, I, I Pelosi? I want to know two things. Did, I want to know pre-incident. Right. There's always a pre-event. The FBI had all that intelligence. Exact for the for the powers that be. We know there's going to be an event. We know there's at two covered officials. There was the vice president and the vice president elect. We're both in the building covered by the Secret Service. Capitol Police has the perimeter. Where's the report that said when they're in the building, here's how we're going to handle it. Here's the intelligence we have on threats. I want to see that report because that report tells you how prepared they were. And that's important, Tony, because there was conversation in the days leading up to this that there would be, I don't think anyone imagined it would be at the level that it was, but that there would be protests, which, you know, protests are allowed in our country. All right. We had John Solomon on yesterday, Mm -hmm. and we had a few other people. Mm -hmm. And the facts of life is that the, the Capitol Guards were not prepared. They, uh, President uh, Trump asked the Department of Defense to get uh, 20,000, 10,000 or 20,000 National Guard. Right. The Metropolitan Police, who asked them? Do, they asked the D.C. mayor. And she said no. And, and she, she said, said no. no, we don't need that. You had the Deputy Chief Sean Gallagher of the Protective Services Bureau, commander of the Capitol Police, also requesting to a Kelly Fado who is a sergeant of arms for Schumer, asking for barricades and get ready and listing websites that they think there's going to be a major event there and nothing happens. But there's no one at this hearing and that's going to ask those nobody, questions. Nobody's, the nobody's there. I mean, there's no one is, to ask those questions, This is John. all BS. It's too one-sided. I, I mean, I can't believe they're putting on a movie. The country's going to tune they're out. They're putting on a movie like it's the Wag the political, Dog. It's political theater. If they're putting on a political movie... And not telling the truth to the American people. And they're just doing it. What happened that day was embarrassing. And it was horrible. I mean, it was horrible. It was embarrassing. It was. It was embarrassing. I would like to have seen a middle-of-the-road investigation. It's been two years. We've had a lot of bad riots. Where are the hearings on those other riots? What about Donald Trump in 2020 when he had to go down into the bunker when BLM had uh, breached the perimeter there of the White House? There's been a lot of violent incidents, and this could have been prevented from those whack jobs. Because they were. A lot of them were whack jobs that went in there. uh, I said we're going to play a tidbit from – we got on my Sunday show, Cats Roundtable, on – on Sunday morning, we said we're going to play five minutes of Newt Gingrich and five minutes or four minutes of Janine Pirro. Let's play Newt Gingrich first and get a five-minute tidbit from Sunday show. What's going on in the world? What's going on in America? One of the smartest guys I know is the former Speaker of the House. We have with us Newt Gingrich. Newt, we got a mess in our hands on all sides of the border whether it's economic, whether it's the borders in, in Mexico, uh, where do you want to begin? Well, it's, it's, I mean, first of all, let's just talk about the general situation. You have probably the most incompetent president since Buchanan. Uh, so every time you turn around, uh, Biden and his team, and he's appointed left-wing cuckoos who are out of touch with reality, so they can't solve anything. 
Uh, and so I think it's going to get worse. As you know, the inflation rate has gone up again. The price of gasoline keeps going up. Well, imagine that you are a working mother trying to find infant formula, which is not available, and you can't afford to buy the gasoline to get in your car to go to six different stores to see who might have it. I mean, that, that's how bad this is getting. And then you have to worry about being either mugged or carjacked uh, or, or killed in a drive-by shooting. And I think that we are drifting towards uh, what the, the, the great uh, mathematician von Neumann called a crisis of crises, where there's so many different things going wrong that it's very hard to put it together. And I am so concerned with what's going on in January 6th stuff. They're not telling anything. They're not telling the truth. They're, they're just promoting the big lie. Uh, what's going on yeah. on our borders? What's going on? They rather buy oil and crude oil at $120 a barrel from Venezuela, Iran, and Russia instead of buying it from Canada and North America. Oh, yeah. No, no. Look, this is what is going on. It's not right or left. It's crazy and not crazy. Uh, and, and what the Biden administration is doing on almost every front is, is closer to insanity than to a political philosophy. And, and you put your finger on a good example. You have an enormous amount of oil and gas in western Pennsylvania. So the Democratic governor of Pennsylvania signs an executive order to join a Northeast coalition, which is against Pennsylvania oil and gas. You, and, then, and then you go, oh, gee, I don't know why the price of gasoline has gone up. Well, you have to be, you know, an idiot to not have figured out that if you do everything you can to cripple the oil and gas industry, the result's going to be much higher prices. And Democrats are going to have to go home. They're going to have to explain why you can't afford food, you can't afford gasoline. When we talk about electric cars. You're going to have you're going to have blackouts in California this summer because they are closing down uh, electric generating stations, and they don't seem to understand. But if you have an electric car, you need electricity. I know this is a bold, big idea. But if you're going to have an electric car, you better have a reliable electric grid. And they don't. I've been asking people, uh, do uh, do Democrats think the American people are so stupid that they're buying this? Let's say that, 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 you know, there's a certain assumption that people are somehow dumb if they belong to some ethnic group. You go out and you buy gasoline. I mean, you, you think the fact that you happen to be black or Asian or Hispanic means you don't notice the price? Uh, you happen to go over and try to buy food, and you find out, for example, that the price of meat has skyrocketed. You think, you think poor people don't notice what happens to their pennies? I mean, if, if you're a Harvard, Yale, Princeton alumni, and you have a three hundred or $400,000 a year income, Maybe you don't notice this stuff, but if you're a normal, everyday working American of any ethnic background, you realize this is not working. And we ought to have just the pragmatic, old-fashioned, does it work or does it not work? And if it doesn't work, quit doing it. Uh, and you can you're, see whether it's controlling the border or you name it. You're one of the smartest guys. You should make up uh, the same way you did in 1990, that declaration. Well, we're we're actually working with yeah. Kevin McCarthy and others. We need a little help getting the Senate on board, but I think uh, I think by this fall we're all going to be on the same ticket, and it's going to be a ticket that says we can make America work again. 
we can bring we can beat inflation we can make, bring down the price of gasoline dramatically we can create jobs here at home and we can overhaul our defense system and our school system uh, and once again be the country that we should be thank you so much thank you so great much great to be with you and uh, god bless you and god bless america and we need we need god's blessing because we need we really need help thank you Yep, and that was uh, Newt Gingrich, uh, the former Speaker of the House, and he'll be the full interview will be in on this Sunday, uh, between nine o'clock and ten o'clock, and uh, on the Cats Roundtable. Well, President Biden said, John, that everything's great, that everything's fine. Do you want to take a listen to a short time ago what the president said? Millions of Americans are moving up to better jobs and better pay. And since I took office, families are carrying less debt on average in America. They have more savings than they've had. What happened to my uh, my 401k? They're full of crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Right now, last night. Wow, delusion's powerful. Last night, last night was the gala of galas, and, and it was it took place on the Intrepid. It was the New York uh, uh, NYPD, the New York Police uh, a foundation, and it's run by Susan Birnbaum, and she's the president and CEO. Uh, how are you today? I mean, you you looked tired last night. You you did a lot of work. <laughs> it was a great night. Um, I'm glad it's behind us, John, and uh, it, we really had a terrific evening. But I want to thank you for, for being there and for supporting the dinner, as you always do. You always take a table, and we're, we're very grateful. Uh, tell us, I mean, uh, you had a lot of people there. Uh, uh, did you have, what, which, over 1,000 people? Yeah, we had almost 1,000 people there on the Intrepid. Um, and people were there to show their support for the NYPD and the New York City Police Foundation. We're funding public safety initiatives like Crime Stoppers, which you support, and Gun Stop, counterterrorism programs, training. And people are there. They're proud supporters. And they were there to say, you know, we want to support building a safer city. And that's why we're there. And we had, uh, we had uh, the, the police commissioner there. Um, she's been terrific. The first woman police commissioner, Keyshawn Sewell. She's a great leader. And in a short amount of time, she's made some terrific changes to the morale of the department. And she's working very hard right now to uh, fight crime. And we're there to support her. We also had Mayor Adams. And Mayor um, Adams' speech was phenomenal. It, it sounded like almost a presidential speech. I know, and that was, you know, without notes. He just walked in and, and did that, um, and he was terrific. And we were really honored to have him there. Um, and then we had we had Pfizer receive the 2022 Gala Honoree Award, which was accepted by their CEO, Albert Borla. We honored eight members of the police department. These are ordinary members, ordinary people who've been called, as the police commissioner says, called upon to do extraordinary things. And I don't know if you if you saw that we, we swore in the uh, emotional support dog, Glory, that we bought for the police department. We buy dogs for the department, and this was the one of the newer ones. So Well, she was night. beautiful, I must say that. I mean, I, you know what I really loved? Outside, uh, you had a, a, some police officers on their horses, and yep. I'm, glad, I'm glad we didn't get rid of that... Uh, that that whatever you call it, battalion, brigade, the mounted or whatever. unit, the mounted unit, the mounted unit, the mounted unit. We support that too. Been since the beginning, since the seventies, we've supported the mounted unit of the police department. So, but we had uh, a lot of people there, John. Everybody wanting to show their support 
to uh, for a safer city. And we, we need that right now, don't we? You're absolutely sorry. That's the one thing New Yorkers want. You yep. know, and I tell that to the people in Albany, eight and a half million New Yorkers deserve to be safe. The 3,000 repeat violent criminals, if we take them off the streets, though eight and a half million, we will be well. Yep, absolutely. And just by, by showing your support last night, people are saying, we believe in our great city. We want to support a safe city. And we're going to show that support by being here tonight. And I think that's what people were saying. And it was a beautiful night out. Well, thank you so much. And uh, Ms. Birnbaum, we're going to have, we have to take a break. But uh, you did a great job and, and keep doing it. And, and let's, make the, let's make our police officers feel that they're respected and we're watching their back. And that's what the New York Police Foundation is doing, is watching their back. Thank you so much for coming on, and thank you for your work. Thank you, John. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. We're going to be taking a break, and when we come back, we'll probably have either Larry Kudlow, I think probably Larry Kudlow, to find out the economy. We're in deep crap. Let's Mm -hmm. take that break. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Cats at Night on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. Now on the line for us is Larry Kudlow, the world's leading economist. Notice I said the world, not just America. The world. He also has a number one show on Fox Business. He also has a number one show here on WABC Radio every Saturday at what time, John? Every, every Saturday from 10 o'clock in the morning to 1 o'clock in the afternoon, the number one show on Sundays. And uh, and uh, if you want to know what, the end of the week on Saturday morning about the, what's going on in the markets, what's going on in the economy, you tune in, Larry Kudlow. Larry Kudlow. How are you, Larry? Lydia, you forgot the solar system. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Sorry. Well, Sorry. I have to one, – one more thing. Uh, I have to give condolences to Judy, uh, Larry Kudlow's wife. He, she lost her father this week. He was 100 years old. Uh, Larry, tell us a little bit about uh, Judy's dad. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, appreciate the condolences. Well, he was a great, um, great patriot. He was a, a career Air Force guy and retired as a full bird colonel. And he served in five wars. And wow. um he was also an advisor. He worked on the Joint Chiefs as a military advisor. Um, and, you know, he was one of these uh, people with fabulous values who helped raise, well, three wonderful daughters, my wife and her two sisters. But he also kind of raised his grandkids. I think he raised me, too. I mean, mm-hmm. he just kept everybody on the straight and narrow, making sure everybody was behaving right and working hard. He was just one of these fabulous kinds of people that we don't have enough of anymore. Mm. And I appreciate your, your condolence and uh, we're fine. Judy's okay. It was a beautiful, lovely military funeral yesterday in Colorado Springs, Colorado. That's, you know, he was a hundred years old, but when you lose a father or mother, it doesn't matter. It still hurts. Yes. Larry, uh, the, the economy, I mean, we're, we got such a roller coaster. The the price of oil keeps going up. It's always one hundred and twenty one, one hundred twenty two dollars today, and uh, uh, inflation is still running out of control. Uh, 
let's say you, you, you know, me and you have an opposite uh, feeling sometimes on, on what they should do, but you, uh, you know, it's, you're the, you're the guy with the diploma. I'm a, I'm a college dropout. <laughs> well, look, <laughs> apart from that, you're smarter than me, but uh, anyway, you got more it's money. Like two brains. But, um, look at, uh, I, I hate to tell a negative narrative, but you know, you got a bad CPI report today. It was worse than people thought. And it was uniformly worse. In other words, uh, rapid price hikes throughout the economy. And what's worse about that is that uh, the last three months, the three-month growth rates are faster than the 12-month growth rates. So the trend is all wrong. People were talking on Wall Street about peak inflation. Well, there's no peak inflation here. There's actually increasing inflation. Uh, so uh, you saw the market sell off almost 900 points. You saw the 10-year jump up to, what, 315, 316. Um, I, I think we're headed for a very, very difficult time, John. I think the Fed is going to have to be much tougher and much more aggressive. I don't particularly like that because I think the likelihood of recession is much greater as a result, look, mistakes made 18 months ago, those chickens are coming home to roost, John. I have a whole different policy viewpoint about what to do. But whatever I may think about policy, the Biden's got it wrong. Middle income folks are hurting badly. Homeowners, renters right down the line, food, oil, electricity, electricity prices just booming 18 percent in the last three months. Uh, compared to 12% the last year. It's not a good story. There's well, no way well what's the story. nicest way I can say it? Washington, uh, they're conning the American people. Mm. I don't know you what know, else to say. I, mean, I, I I got to buy extra Kleenex because I cry for our country. Well, you guys are blaming well, all... It's President Biden said that it's all Putin's fault. It's all Putin's fault. What do you think... You know, what well, do you it's, it's not all Putin's fault. I and mean, the whole country knows it's not all Putin's fault. Now, I grant you uh, some of the hike in energy is a function of, of the uh, Putin war in Ukraine. I don't deny that. But it's the 12 or 14 months prior to that that we are paying for now. And nobody believes. I mean, Putin blame, you know, Biden blames Putin. Biden blames big oil. Consider this, uh, John and Lydia. Um, Janet Yellen who, you know, we made fun of her last week, uh, the hostage uh, the hostage <laughs> video and so forth. But look, she goes, up, she goes up on Capitol Hill this week, okay? And she's selling Biden's uh, fiscal year 2023 budget. She's selling the budget. What's in that budget? More spending. Build back better. At least $5 trillion Build of more broke. spending, according to the Congressional Budget Office. And $3.5 trillion of higher taxes. That's in the budget. It was not adequately reported by the media. But in other words, they haven't learned their lesson. They're still blaming oil instead of deregulating oil. They're still spending, and if, I mean, if given the chance, and I hope they're not, and they're still raising taxes. That's the nuttiness of this. Um, you know Andy McCarthy, Andrew McCarthy, such a brilliant uh, lawyer, former prosecutor, and uh, now distinguished uh, political analyst. I was um, watching was some a, show at 4 o'clock on Fox Business. Yeah. I saw Andrew McCarthy <laughs> on it. Andy McCarthy was on the show, 
And we were talking about a separate subject, but it relates to this conversation. We were talking about how it is that Nancy Pelosi, on the day that somebody tries to murder uh, Justice Kavanaugh, how is it possible that Pelosi would not allow the Supreme Court justices' security bill to be voted on? How is that possible? And Andy said, it's a very telling point, he (laughs) said she doesn't want to appear as though she made a mistake. And it's like in our culture, people are afraid to say, you know what, we were wrong and we're going to change it. We were wrong and we're going to fix it. John, you're the most brilliant businessman. If you see something that changes out there, you will say to your uh, investors and so forth, uh, we were wrong. Let's chart a new course. Larry, nothing wrong with that. And nobody wants to do that anymore. And it's a tragedy. You're 100. It's Tony Carbonetti. And if if you don't know by 82 years old that you should admit when you make a mistake, she's not going to learn anytime soon. Nancy Pelosi. And how about Janet Yellen? Is she finally right. telling the truth? Does she know what the what the no. scoreboard is? She just said she shouldn't have used this a term transitory. Yeah, she just—it's a non—you know—a non-apology. Apology. She's up, she's up there selling a big spend and tax package, which is exactly <laughs> what caused this mess in the first place. That's all I'm saying. If you're going to apologize, look, you know, Reagan apologized. Let me say, when I worked for him, if something didn't go right, he would say that. And sometimes he would change his mind. He had this wonderful expression. He said, what's that sound? And then he'd look around and pause. And that's the sound of the cement cracking around my feet. So that was his way of saying, I'm dug in. And so wait a minute, the cement is cracking and I'm going to change my mind. Okay, that's leadership. You know what? I didn't agree with a lot of his uh, things, but Bill Clinton would say, "Okay, the era of big government is over. His uh, first couple of years uh, on the far left were wrong. We don't see that anymore. There's nothing wrong. I mean, it's like a cultural thing. There's nothing wrong in saying I got it wrong and I own it. And and now we're going to go and work together to fix something all across the political spectrum today. Nobody wants to do that. And I think it's a pity. I think it ruins civil discourse. I think it ruins relationships. And nowadays it ruins our economic policy. It's not weak to say you made a mistake. It shows you can learn. Right. Right. That's exactly right. Okay, I mean, it's okay to be wrong. (laughs) It's not. You learn from it. You move on. We're human. Everybody makes mistakes. That's That's correct. And so we're going to change course. But they want to put ideology. They'd rather make sure that Trump stays the boogeyman and Putin and every white supremacy and all the other stuff versus, you know, admitting, hey, listen, we made a mistake. We're changing it this way or that way. You know what it is, uh, David Paris and Larry? It's just that people don't understand that when you take responsibility for something, that's personal sacrifice you're making by saying that in front of other people. It ignites compassion. People, mm-hmm. It's hard for people to say anything after that. Although, Tony, I yeah, thought yeah. King Lear changed his ways when he was <laughs> old. Maybe Nancy Pelosi can. You know, Ho- hopefully funny. she'll learn. Nancy, Nancy. <laughs> How did it work out for King Lear, Governor? Uh, it, in the end, not well, but, okay. you know. Well, listen, fellas, I knew King Lear. He was- <laughs> <laughs> well, Cindy, Cindy Adams, Cindy keeps telling us uh, she was there when Lincoln got elected. 
<laughs> well, I, I was there for the second Grover Cleveland administration. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, I'm okay. glad we have a little bit of laughter uh, on, yeah. on our Friday. We Thank God that. it's Friday. And yeah. uh, it'll be a beautiful weekend, and we hope our – you know, I, I hope this bounces back uh, somehow, uh, Larry, and uh, – when it's the when it, when it's, it looks like it's the lowest, sometimes it turns. Well, the cavalry is coming. No, <laughs> no, no, my nerves. Except, oh. that, except I was custom. <laughs> nerves. John, can I have a ninety-day sabbatical starting October first? Are you pregnant? Because I just don't want to be. Are you pregnant? I'm gonna be because of what's gonna happen in the you midterm. You have the same. You con- can't get pregnant. Governor, the you have the same constitutional right to get pregnant as everybody else. Yes. Thank you. What is a woman all right, after all? all Thank right, you, Larry Cudlow. Thank you so much. much. Have a great yes, weekend. God. Hope the Thank sun you. shines. Let's bye, take bye. a break, and we're going to come back. Uh, with the Archbishop of the Ukraine in charge of the entire United States. We'll be doing a joint ceremony with Cardinal Dolan on Saturday night. But uh, let's take that break first. And now with us, this is going to be a very special day in New York tomorrow. I got Archbishop Boris of the Ukrainian Church. He's the Archbishop of America uh, and covers the entire United States. And Archbishop uh, Boris is going to be with Cardinal Dolan in St. Patrick's Cathedral on Saturday tomorrow. And uh, they're going to have an ecumenical uh, service to, to, to bring together all Christians to help the Ukrainian people. Uh, how are you, uh, your eminence? Uh, are you uh, ready to go tomorrow? And, and tell us about what's going on. So uh, thank you, John, for your gracious invitation. I just returned from Ukraine where, you know, the, the, the battles are uh, as ferocious as they have been in any time in these 110 days. Uh, and many people are being killed. Um, and uh, we want to pray. We want to pray for the deceased. There are so many people that are giving their lives. You know, uh, in in the United States, there has been a tremendous outpouring of support, humanitarian aid. The U.S. has offered very important defensive assistance. And we want to give people a chance to come together and pray. In the Ukrainian family, uh, most people by now have somebody uh, close, somebody in the family that has been killed or injured in this war. And we need the Lord's help. We need the Lord's intervention. And both the, the Russian people and the Ukrainian people are suffering. Is there pressure being put upon you uh, by the Russian patriarch in Moscow against the patriarch in, uh, in Kiev? Well, uh since since I am a Ukrainian Catholic, there's no direct structural pressure that the Patriarchate of Moscow can put on us. But they, um, uh, anytime this, there's a Russian occupation, the Ukrainian Catholic Church gets strangled. Now, the Ukrainian Orthodox Church, which has been recognized uh, as autocephalous by His All Holiness uh, Patriarch Bartholomew, a great ecumenical leader, um, that church is not recognized by Moscow, and Moscow has cut off communion uh, with uh, the Greeks uh, because 
um, the Patriarch of Constantinople, has recognized the dignity of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church. And it um, is now a big identity crisis for the church that's under Moscow because the majority of the faithful of that church are in the eastern part. So Putin's war is killing members of the Moscow Patriarchy. Horrible. Um, Tell us about what's going to happen uh, in the St. Patrick's Cathedral Saturday, uh, tomorrow. You have invited many, many religions to come together, and you're inviting the New York community, the uh, surrounding community to come together, and we'll pray together for for the people of the Ukraine. Is that correct? Yes, John. Uh, Cardinal Dolman, who uh, knows Ukraine well, he, he went there uh, at, at the high point of the war uh, about uh, a month and a half ago. Uh, he is uh, hosting uh, this requiem service, which will be held on uh, Saturday. And so there will be a requiem service to which already uh, a Coptic bishop, a Greek bishop, an Armenian bishop have uh, said they will come. Uh, we're still waiting for some of the RSVPs. Um, and uh, we will we will pray. Uh, there, will, uh, there will be some reflections offered by the Cardinal, by myself, by uh, maybe some others who are present. And um, the Ukrainian community uh, is really traumatized by the, this death and destruction. And it's very important for us to come to pray. And we're very grateful to the people of America, to the Christians of America, who have poured out their hearts uh and uh, have been very generous in humanitarian aid. Uh, there, there's been an incredible outpouring of uh, solidarity from people of goodwill, of all, all confessional backgrounds, all races. Understood. And, yeah, Eminence, uh, uh, Archbishop Boris, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at the St. Patrick's Cathedral. And uh, let's uh, pray for our lost ones, and let's pray for the end of the war. Thank you so much. I thank you, John, for uh, bringing uh, to the attention of your audience uh, this this moment of prayer, which uh, is so important for the people of Ukraine. So I feel like I have to do the sign of the cross, which how do you guys do it? You do it this way, right? We do. I do it like this, but uh, you, you do, do it left to right. We do it right to left. So I had to pr- I had to bless myself. That was a beautiful interview, John. Well, he's going to be in New York tomorrow. Whoever's in New York on, on Saturday night, St. Patrick's Cathedral, they're going to have a special ceremony for the Ukrainian uh, people. And Cardinal Dolan will be leading it. Well, now we've got another, um, we got our uh, Irishman on the line, Catholic himself, John McLaughlin. How are you, sir? We said it's John McLaughlin, right? Am I saying it correctly? Right, you're the right. You're one of the greatest pollsters there ever was, right? And you're going to oh. talk, right? That's what Congressman King said. You're never wrong. All, he, all of you, well, he made me look good. So okay. it's like, you know, and if John, and if John Katzmatidis had a better pollster, he would be mayor right now. So Well, like, if you would have told me I was losing Manhattan, I never knew. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> we told you, but we didn't believe it. Yeah. So you'd win now. You'd win now. But uh, it's like, it was tough. It's tough. Yeah, it's, it was tough. Tell us what, what what's tough. going on. Are, are the American people, are, are New Yorkers, are the American people, are they mad as hell and they can't take it anymore? I mean, enough is enough. So even San Francisco threw out the yeah. woke culture DA. 
Yeah, as I've been saying all year with you, that New Yorkers, we're, we're in revolt right now. And full disclosure, I work for Lee Zeldin, and Lee Zeldin's been the front runner because he's been out in front of these issues. But on the other hand, I mean, when you mentioned San Francisco, um, when I, way back when, when uh, I got out of college, I worked in management training in uh, the uh, Nanuet National Bank, which is Bank of New York, uh, Irving Bank. And uh, we had the Nanuet Mall branch, and I got to know uh, when I was working there at the Brinks Guard, Peter Page, that Chesa Boudin's mother and father killed when they had the terrorist attack wow. and they killed the Brinks Guard and they killed the two Nyack policemen. And on that day, I had left the bank by then. I was doing finance in the town of Clarkson. And I spent that day uh, in the supervisor's office because it happened in our town with the police chief while they were doing the manhunt for these killers. And remember, Governor Cuomo, Mario Cuomo said, you know, life with it, you know, you, you don't have to have the death penalty. You get life without parole and they'll be in jail forever. Well, uh, uh, D.A. Bodine's mother, who recently passed away, was out for 20 years because of Governor Cuomo. And the father uh, was out. And when you talk about, OK, you're you're letting cop killers out and and basically the voters of San Francisco had said they had enough. So, uh, um, so you know, Chester Bodine lost not close, but badly, 60-40. And uh, also in California, you have a Republican who was the front runner uh, going into the mayor's runoff in uh, Los Angeles, Rick Caruso. And, and it was a bad day last Tuesday in the primaries for all the big government progressives. I mean, really, the Republicans are looking strong in the races that they had, whether it was in, in Iowa, you had uh, – the governor and and uh, uh, Senator Grassley winning big big uh, uh, big primaries and in, in South Dakota the Republicans look good New Mexico uh, Mark Ricci looks good um, so so you have you have the Republicans again storming through the primaries attracting independents attracting Democrats where you have open primaries and uh, you know th- we we look good for the November elections John Republicans yes sir it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Uh, Dan Henninger was on the show last night, the uh, deputy editor for the Wall Street Journal, who wrote a column about what happened in uh, in San Francisco. And he made the point that the people in San Francisco got fed up and they turned against the progressives. But he made the very telling point that the professional class of progressives will never give this up, that they're psychologically and ideologically Is, is he going to run again? So I was told Bodine's going to turn around and run again in November. Is that true? Well, if I hope so. If the state so law allows that to happen, then it's, a, <laughs> then it's a travesty. One of the problems we have in New York State, as you know, John, is we don't have recalls. Right. And it would be a very helpful device to have against some of these far-left prosecutors. I can guarantee you those uh, ideologues, those uh, left-wing regressives, as John calls them, they don't have to worry about how much money gas costs or their groceries. So it's easy for them to not care about X, Y, and Z and to pursue, pursue whatever cause that they're thinking about in their head when you've got people that are starving. I mean, you know, people are choosing. I, I was listening to the radio on the way in, and this one guy was saying, the groceries have gotten so expensive, I can't even buy lunch meat anymore. Well, what did you say? You said you have to choose between filling up your car with gas or, or buying getting meat. or getting some fruit and veggies and, and meats. That's what Americans actually care about. And then that'll supersede any kind of ideological cause that these people are having or that they thought to have. So the ideologues like AOC and wh- whoever else like what see, we, see, Lydia, we I should tell think, them I, pound sand. You're not looking at it properly. Remember, there was all this shoplifting and we were wondering why they weren't stealing food. 
the Democrats that will make food so expensive, they have to shoplift it. Oh, See, it's all self-fulfilling know. prophecy. You, you know, they, they fix the curve. That's it. Yeah. yeah Tony, Tony, I am right. impressed. <laughs> I am impressed. I mean, we were all wondering why they were shoplifting. They went out and gave them a reason to. Yeah, but Tony, think about it. It's like, the Republicans are now the party of the working class because, like Lydia said, you've got 25 to 30 percent of the people in every one of our polls saying that inflation is causing them to struggle, that they got to pass on basic necessities. They can't make their rent. It's crazy. I mean, I'm joking about it, but it's really disgusting. Yeah. And there's another 40 percent where they've made significant changes. They got to delay uh, uh, vacations. They can't take vacations, et cetera, because the, the, the money they thought was a good salary when Donald Trump was president. Mm-hmm. They're now finding out they can't keep up because of the Biden well, inflation. Well, Biden keeps saying doing. how wonderful things are. People are making more money. He hasn't factored in the fact that it's inflation. He says their savings have gone up. He hasn't factored in that their 401ks are crashing. Oh, yeah, right. And then the market was down again today. And by the way, it's creating all these uh, all these problems, all these uh, uh, terrible, terrible things that are happening. Inflation, crimes, a national issue, the open border, the lack of, of drilling for oil and gas. It's creating what a new American majority. We're seeing new coalitions appear like you already had Newt Gingrich on the show. And, and Newt Gingrich uh, has had us working on some polling where. Roughly 62 percent of the of the American electorate is thinking of voting for Republicans, seriously thinking this November. And another 11 percent is within reach. There's only 25 percent. That's this hard. You'll you'll hear on Sunday. John's point is right. We have to be ready to govern. And Newt should be working with with McCarthy to figure out that contract with America or something. We got to be ready to govern when it comes. And make no mistake, those hearings that some people watched last night were more about 2024 than 2021 when it came to Trump, when it comes to him. They want to make sure he never runs again because the, 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 the the venomous hatred so many Americans have for him, it's palpable. By the way, it's more than that. Trump would beat any Democrat in the polls today. I mean, in our polls, Trump leads Biden 50 to 40, 43 by seven points. He would beat Hillary Clinton by 10 points. He'd beat Kamala Harris by 10 points. He'd beat Buttigieg by 11. People are saying, OK, I don't have to pay attention to his tweets. I don't have to listen to him. But you know what? He ran the country well. And everything from the price of, price of gas being low, food, food being affordable, the economy getting better. And also, they know that Putin would have never gone into Ukraine if Trump was president. So uh, uh, so the Democrats are in big trouble because they're coming down to a hardcore socialist elite that's totally out of touch with the heartland and, and, and the sunbelt in America. They really don't understand working middle class Americans anymore. Well, thank you so, so much, uh, uh, John McLaughlin. And I feel for those middle Americans. And I can't even imagine like if you're living off of a fast food salary and you're paying five six dollars a gallon i mean can you imagine i i just i i, I can't and I, I i filled up my car my tank on the way in and i saw people like pressing the button you know they're being extremely yeah. careful and it's just it's yeah. heartbreaking and it didn't need to happen and it's self-inflicted thank you so much john mclaughlin for all of your insight and for always being you know the best pollster there is uh, thank you but you know i wish the election was tomorrow that is true. There's a long way to go. I agree. John McLaughlin, thank you so much. And let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to come back with Dr. Mark Seal. You're commuting home with 
Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis on 77 WABC. Welcome back to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. On the line for us right now is Dr. Mark Siegel. How are you, Dr. Siegel? Lydia, great to be on with you. And and John and the panel, always great. What, are we, you believe- what are we covering today? Well, you didn't tell me, but so let's cover the fact that the CDC has finally said that you can come into the United States without testing. I guess that's an attempt at consistency. You don't need a mask to get in. You don't need a policy. No, that that covers the Mexican border. That's right. That's the border. (laughs) They've already been doing it. That's right. Been there, done that. How much fentanyl can you bring in when you fly in? that's making a good point that, that legal people can now have the same benefits as illegal people. Finally, <laughs> finally, finally, equal except, except, no, 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 we, we don't have the same benefits. You come in legally, you're not getting suddenly uh, insurance coverage and and, you know, and food stamps, and water stamps, and every other thing. Unbelievable. And probably a driver's license soon, so you can exactly. vote in the next election. Job, voters, re- voters registration. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You get off the plane, you start to vote. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, hey John, you know, you know what really backfires though. When people come here, you do know that when people come here from totalitarian countries and they take one look at the Democrats, they vote Republican. So the whole thing backfires. Yeah, they, they sit there and they say, "You should see where I'm from." You're complaining about this. That's why I came here. The Hispanic vote now, according to a new poll, yeah, it's tell, like tell it, us about it, the Siena poll. It was uh, like twenty four percent. Twenty four percent of Hispanics support Biden. I mean, it is it's like non existent. That's because they're sick of this. They're sick of the invasion that's happening in our country. I heard a rumor that even Governor Patterson is voting Republican now. <laughs> it is a rumor. It's a secret ballot. It's a secret ballot. He's on sabbatical. Leave him alone. So did we find out what really causes monkeypox? Well, I mean, it, come, it came from a monkey. It's a very, very weak version of, of it's not smallpox, and it's and it's very mild. It comes from Nigeria. There was a huge outbreak in Nigeria back in 2017. This traces and tracks from that. I but think, how did they get uh, it from the monkey to the human? What, are they, doing? what are they doing with Lydia, the monkey? Lydia, don't ask too many questions. <laughs> come on, Lydia. Birds, was, bees, was, monkeys, I don't know what's going on. Oh, my. That was back in 1958 that it was in a monkey. It's been in rodents much more recently. So you should ask, how did it get from a rodent to a human? And that's more more difficult to imagine, no matter how you look at that. But but it, it's it's being transmitted sexually, and it's being transmitted through saliva, very close contact. It's never going to be another pandemic. Some of this is hype and hysteria. Some of it is that we were keeping our eyes so closely on COVID that we didn't catch this. But it, we, all of us that were are older, nobody's as old as John, but mo- those of us who are older have been vaccinated against smallpox. I have. So that, that, that gives you at least 50 years of, of immunity. You know, I saw this article in The Atlantic, and they were talking about how negative COVID tests are basically meaningless at this point. And now people are wondering, is it possible that we have uh, some sort of type of variant that's not detectable with with tests because people are feeling sick and they're testing themselves yet it's not coming up positive so that this could be something that is of concern what do you think about that because i know i was kind of sick for a few days and it took four tests before i tested positive 
And then the whole world knew about it. Everybody yes. knew about it. And I said, why doesn't Lydia call me for advice? I didn't get a, I didn't get a phone call. I just knew you weren't, weren't on the radio for about a day. But but uh, actually, the answer to that question is no. That the more evasive these variants get, and now we're facing the BA4 and 5. I mean, we had the 1, we had the 2, we had the 2.1, 2.1. I, I finally figured out how to say that. Now we have the 4 and 5 coming from South Africa. They're more evasive. But if you test enough times, you're going to get a positive, most likely the way you did. But you got to be able to afford all these tests. I, not everybody has a, a huge pile of them in their house. I, I, I went to the, the store. No, I, I, Well, the ones that came from the government, I opened it up, and there was a quarter inside. And it said, flip it, heads you have it, tails you don't. Oh. It's basically... <laughs> I was like, Mike didn't have I thought, you, I thought this was going to be a different kind of joke, that the government's giving out free money because no one else has any. With, with, That's you know, only with if you're price. illegal. That's only yeah, if you're right. illegal. You're, get... the, wad of cash is inside your COVID. Your, uh, COVID you got box. the wrong envelope there. You weren't <laughs> supposed to get money. That was supposed to go down to the border. Well, I felt I didn't feel well. They and sent so... all the baby food down there. Right. That's and, right. That's I know. Right. I didn't feel well, but I still said, let me keep myself away from people because whatever this thing is, I don't want anybody else to catch it. And that's what people need to understand. There are other illnesses, even respiratory viruses, aside from COVID. I have a well, very that's, that's common single. sense, Lydia. I agree with that. That's common sense. You know, we're, it's not just COVID. It is the issue of if you're sick, you stay home, isn't it? And the whole idea that, that there's got to be some kind of military-type quarantining for COVID at this point, when it's not, you know, 170,000 new cases in the United States a day, it's way closer to a million because of all the home tests, because they're not being reported. Yeah, no one's calling so up and saying, oh, I tested at home. Call up the New York what? State Department of Health. That's like if somebody says I tested at home, nobody believes anybody. What? Dr. Siegel, I have a very important question for you. My wife got from the federal government the home test. I got two crackerjack boxes. What does that mean? <laughs> Ah, that means you got to look for the prize. And I'm telling you, we figured out the prize. The prize is is a free lunch, I think. But it's supposed to it's not supposed well, to go to you. You're a t- you're a taxpayer. You're not supposed to get anything. It's the end of Friday. Thank God it's Friday TGIF. Thank you, Dr. Mark Siegel. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. And, Thank and, you, John. Uh, Judge an Weinberg, honor. I'll see you at breakfast tomorrow in the yes, Hamptons. Sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Tony Carbonetti, don't don't miss that. I'll be at the beach. You don't miss don't miss the train down to the beach in New Jersey. <laughs> And what are you doing, Governor? I am going to try to survive the weekend. Well, if you come out to the Hamptons, we have another breakfast. Oh, great. Okay. And uh, Lydia, what are you doing? I have my daughter's dance recitals. She has two of them, so I'm very excited. Well, that's Superman? What what, what do you stand for? Truth, Truth, justice, justice, and and the American American way. way. God bless America. We need God's blessing.